Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you create a self-driven and engaged high-performance organization, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to drive significant profit growth, create a stress-free ownership culture, and give you the time freedom you always wanted from your business. And now, here's your host, highly sought-after business growth strategist and executive coach, Patrick Rogers. This is Patrick Rogers, and today we have the privilege to have Dean Finsale on the show. And Dean is the CEO of National Adhesives. Welcome to the show, Dean. Thanks very much. Great to be here, Patrick. Awesome. So a little bit about Dean. Dean lives in Northern Virginia with his life partner and her three boys. He moved here a few years ago, uh, growing up in Swaziland and then South Africa. After exiting two businesses in South Africa, Dean came over here for his lady. So <laughs> sure there's a love story behind that. And uh, Dean actually started up National Adhesives, get this, in 2019, and has already hit 46 million within two and a half years. So that that is just insane. Um, I, I was telling Dean before we started, you know, push the button on record. I've been looking forward to this for for a week now, a couple of weeks, because uh, I know the listeners, when you hear something like that, going from two to 46 million in one year, can't wait to, to dig in, you know, Dean, learn more about you and, and what you're doing. I'm sure everyone will be itching to hear your story. So... <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. So, so again, Dean, great to have you. You know, you're out there getting it done. Before we dive in uh, with, with your journey on national adhesives uh, and your and just you know how what what's made you who you are. What, what's one interesting fact that you know not many people know about you? What's made me who I am? I think you know at the moment I think everybody sees me as this eternal uh, sort of optimist and you know always positive and you know, go get and all that. And I think what's made me who I am is that I wasn't that. You know when I was younger, um, especially when I came out of school, I uh, had a drinking problem, had a drug problem, uh, was depressed. Oh, okay. um, wow. You know, yeah, went through some stuff in life. You know, been carjacked by gunpoint twice. Um, had some, twice. Yeah, Twice, not just twice. once, twice, right? Yeah, listen, yeah, you know, got to do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> was that in South Africa? Yeah, both both times in South Africa, and uh, you know, a, a third time uh, in, n- not in a car, but in a shop, also by gunpoint and that. So you know, um, I had some issues when I was younger, lost some businesses early, and that just was a complete uh, lost soul and everything. And uh, yeah, I, I was a mess. And uh, yeah, I think going through that diversity and that you know just makes you a different person if you decide to come out of it. And it was a decision to that's not who I wanted to be. You know, look in that proverbial mirror and say this is not how I want my life to be. This is not who I want to be. And I think going mm. through that adversity, it, you know, it changes a person. So, you know, now it's a choice, you know, you, you can look at that, uh, is the cup half full or half empty? It, it, it really is a choice, you know, and, and I joke about it. Totally. And I say, you know, you look for the silver lining always. And sometimes you've got to dig hell of a deep to find the silver, but it's there. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, um, you know, what drives our actions is our feelings and emotions and what drives our feelings and emotions is our thoughts. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds like you had some very, very critical life events happen to you. What was it like one of those life events that just like that flipped the switch and you're like, that's it, I'm done? Or what What was the like the actual pivoting point for you? 
So, so interesting, a little bit of stubbornness over there. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I've probably worked in a total of about two years of my entire life for somebody else. The rest of the time, I've always been in my own business. Early days, own business okay. because it wasn't hireable. Um, you know, as a delinquent, but um, somewhere <laughs> along there, I was, uh, I was working for, for, for somebody and it was probably the first person that I would call a mentor and the first person I actually respected in, in my, yeah. my career. And, you know, yeah. I was still pretty young in that. And, uh, uh, I, I had uh, shot up the ranks in, in a company that I worked through and um, I had to go and open a complete new de uh, sort of depot for these guys, went down. Uh, the night before we went out to celebrate, I was feeling a bit ill. Uh, mm. My traditional self was obviously I did drink a lot. Um, and we went out <laughs> okay. that night, I had my bottle of Jack Daniels with me, but I was actually feeling like genuinely ill and uh, uh, went home early, um, went to the hotel and uh, went to bed. I woke mm. up the next day at about 12 o'clock with thousands of missed calls and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, I wasn't there for the opening. So that was a bit of a mess. I was called to a disciplinary hearing. And uh, the guy sat me down and, and, and this guy, Raymond, said to me, he said, you know, you've got a problem. You've got a drinking problem. And I was like, I don't. He said, you can't even make a month without drinking. And I was like, of course I can, you know. Um, mm. And I was so upset that they didn't believe me that I didn't miss the thing because I was ill. And everyone yeah. thought that I was actually drunk. Yeah. And um I stopped drinking for that, that just out of, to prove a point that I can. And it was during that month that I realized, okay, hold on a second. I do actually have a problem. And that was the, wow. point of, you know, that's where it all started. It was still a rough road after that, but uh, that was the, the changing factor. Man. Well, thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that story. Uh, that, that's, <laughs> I mean, you know, alcohol takes down so many people um, and, and most people don't have the wherewithal or the ability to, you know, cold Turkey, the integrity to, to just look inside and do something like that. So yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. Absolutely. Actually, I was just looking at the data. So it's not something I track, but today, 2nd of Feb, 21 years today. Wow. So, so you haven't drank since then? No, no. Yeah. Congrats. Congrats, man. Um, no, and I definitely can relate. There's, there's people in my family that are alcoholics and, and they, you know, uh, 30, one of them's 30 years sober and, but, but he had, you know, go through Alcoholics Anonymous and really support groups. Sounds like you've, yeah. Awesome. Um, very cool, man. So, so tell us, tell us about national adhesive, man. Like tell us about, right. let's first start, tell us about your company. So national adhesive is an interesting company in that, you know, um, we have three of our own brands. Um, one's called glue angel. Glue angel is a derivative of a brand from South Africa called glue devil. And I'll get into the story there. Yeah. Um, we then have a, a brand called Ish. Uh, Ish is a South African word for like Ish, amazement, like wow, incredible. Okay, um, yeah. It's our, our price point uh, brand, not a lot of marketing, more about you know really profound design and everything, but really price point. Um, still good quality, but just you know maybe a smaller volume or something like that. And then we've got our thick brand, and that's thick with two Cs, and that's our sort of dirty boots brand, and we have a bit of fun with that, as you can imagine, okay. um, especially in the corks and adhesive industry. Um, and, and the products that we, we, we sell are, it's adhesive, sealants, tapes, uh, you know, all, all in that. So your silicon stuff yeah. that you find at like Depot and that in the, the DIY and paint aisles. Um, and then we've got three licensing agreements um, with uh, DuPont. Uh, so, so with them, that's uh, a Great Stuff brand and the Great Stuff brand, Cork Sealants, it's been around here yeah, probably about 45 years, used to be under the Dow umbrella, now under DuPont. And they only did foam sealants. So we've introduced a range of corks and sealants under that brand. Uh, adhesives and next will be tapes and that and we're actually looking at another product with them as well so so that one we 100 responsible for everything from uh, start to finish you know manufacture um, 
uh, sales and marketing, distribution, everything. And it's, it's really a royalty brand. So uh, we go through a pretty strict uh, stewardship with them to make sure that, you know, everything meets their standards and requirements from both a product and chemical point of view, as well as a brand and marketing point of view. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the business in a very, you know, sort of 60,000, um, you know, foot uh, view. Uh, we have our products manufactured all over the world. Uh, we import mm. uh, them. Uh, we then warehouse them with three PLs. Uh, we redistribute into the retail markets. So you found our products on like HomeDepot.com, Lowe's.com. Uh, in store is next with them. We've got full national rollout with Menards. Wow. Uh, we're selling into Ace. Um, uh, the next uh, the next part is so the different channels. We focus on the hardware channel first. Next channel we're going into is automotive. Uh, you know, so you'll start seeing stuff in like advanced auto parts, those kind of places. Um, and then the next big push is obviously on e-commerce. Um, you know, we launch in Amazon this month. Um, and, and several other areas as well. So that's that's kind of in a nutshell. On the Glue Angel brand, uh, we've got two versions. We've got the standard version, which is the blue. Uh, then we've got Delicate Touch, which is the pink version, and that's more for arts and crafts. Um, so, you know, very different markets. And uh, we're very much, a, a, you know, very strong in marketing in terms of how we communicate to our customer, and that's our differentiator. Um, there's a whole journey there that, uh, that we're doing differently. Um, mm. Hope that sort of helps on that part a bit about the company. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like you know, taking it high level, you're in, you're in these, you have these three different uh, products, if you will, product lines, markets, and what I'm curious though, how, how did you go from, you know, two million to forty six million? What what was the? Take us through how we, one even does that. Like, what's what's what happened in the in the back end, the, the back scenes to make that happen. Well, I think for a start, you don't have a life. <laughs> you don't have a yeah. life. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think fortunately, I've been very fortunate. I've had several businesses, you know, over the years and that I've had when in my earlier days, some spectacular failures. And, you know, I've had I've, I've owned uh, production companies, uh, logistics companies, you know, we had cross border, um, uh, you know, career service, um, we've done marketing and branding. Uh, yeah. You know, so a variety of different companies, uh, you know, so having a sort of a broad understanding of all these different businesses, you know, in, in different areas and that helps, you know, paint the picture of, okay, what does it take to bring a product to market? So understanding the consumer, the retailer, um, you know, and, and all the back end. So that's the first thing. And then from a management point of view, okay, you know, what does it take? What are the systems required? How do you keep it simple? You know, what do you plan for? So, so I think uh, very been very very fortunate to have had those opportunities to run those businesses in third world countries, which makes it very tricky and and very difficult. I love doing business in the U.S. It's awesome. It's it's super scalable. Uh, you know, instead of having to deal with uh, you know two hundred buyers, uh, you know, for two hundred different stores, you can go to one buyer for two thousand stores. So it's a completely different sort of structure. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is um, you know understanding my strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, I understand, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at identifying opportunities and, and bringing the right team together. You know, the way I see my business is very simple. Um, in my, my, my executive team, I'm the youngest by, by quite a long way. Um, I've got some really, really awesome people, um, you know, running this business. I didn't run it. Uh, you know, my job is very simple, you know, is, is putting the vision together and making sure that, you know, I've identified the opportunities in the market and, you know, where we're going and what we're doing and all that kind of stuff. Um, bringing the right team together, making sure they have the tools to do the job. And those tools are anything from getting the right systems in place, you know, financing the business, finding the market, all of those kind of stuff, you know, and, and really then stepping back and stepping out of their way and allowing them to do what they're good at. Um, and then sitting at the bottom of that and being their safety net, you know, I'm here to support you. And if, if this big ship or whatever is going off, off course and that, just to tap it back in course and that yeah. kind of stuff. 
um, you know, remove ego from the equation and understand that, you know, I, I don't know, uh, you know, a fraction of what these guys know. And, you know, so, so that's the basis of how, you know, sort of a, a, we set it up. Um, and, and I think fundamentally what we did is I took a slightly different step, which I've done once before in, in a business, mm -hmm. which is say, okay, I know where we want to go. Uh, we have this thing called a vivid vision, which is written three years in the future, looking back and saying, okay, where are we? Who are we? Culture is number one for me. That's the culture. If, if you don't fit into the culture of the, 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 the team and that, it's not going to work. So writing that basically gives the, the, the perspective of employees that are coming in an idea of who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, all of those kind of stuff. And if it doesn't resonate for them, don't come and join us. You know, that's, that's how simple as it is. So we eliminate that from the beginning. Um, and once we've set mm -hmm. that path, you know, just step out people's way. You know, they know what they have to achieve. Don't micromanage all of that kind of stuff. I mean, we run very, very differently. We 100% remote, have been pre-COVID, um, unlimited leave, no yeah, working wow. hours. Yeah, it's just like, it's all upward driven. You know, we, we, we have something to achieve and that's what we're working towards. So it's different. And, and I make sure that I'm there to try and support my people, but not manage them. I don't know if yeah. that helps a little bit. So how did we get here from there? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay. So there's so much in there. Number one, I want to, I want to hit on some key things that, you know, you just, you just said a lot of stuff that when you go through the books, you know, CEOs and leaders, they read the things that you just said, but, but many of them, they don't really put it in their conscious and subconscious and really come from that place and lead from that place. And, and so the biggest things, if I pull out of there, it sounds like you set the vision and you then find the best people to help you accomplish that vision. Sounds like the best people that the people that know much more than you and and our authorities on the topic and subject in that, in that certain area and then you step out of their way and let them Great. run with it and and you're there supporting you're kind of the fail safe the net in case something something falls through the cracks or they need some kind of a, a heavy mover um and at the same time you give them it's unlimited time off it's it's more of a results driven thing uh there's no working hours unlimited leave um project-driven, results-driven type thing. So so talk to the CEO. I'm, I'm going to be the CEO over here, right? right let's, let's play a little role play. I'm the CEO who didn't grow up that way, right? I, I grew up in a company where you have to be at work at nine o'clock. You have to leave at five o'clock. You check in, you check out. There's certain time structure. There's all this stuff. That's all I know. This unlimited leave thing, I think you're the third CEO now that I've had on the show that does this. And every every CEO that I've talked to, man, has just been just 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 scream at the top of the rooftops about the benefits of of having an organization that that they do it this way. Talk to this the frightened CEO that's sitting in this chair and chicken shit, like, dude, I what are you talking about? I can't do that. They are, they're, they're all going to take advantage of my company. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to leave for more that they're, you know, they're going to, I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm not going to get anything done. Talk to me. Listen, I, th I think there's a lot of things to talk about on that side. I think the first thing that I would start off with by saying is uh, I, I am very fortunate and lucky that I came here to a new country in a new market and that, and I really yeah. got a fresh start. So I got the ability yeah. to start from fresh without understanding the culture. So that is a huge advantage that I had, you know, um, and I came from the same background. You know, I had a production company and that we started at 7.30 in the morning. We finished 5 a.m. Okay. Know, were, so I've, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. two minutes late. Okay, that, you know, it's a night. I, I have been that person. And, yeah. and excuse my language, but I was a bit of a dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, that's that's how we grew up, though. That's that's all we know, exactly. you know? 
So I think, and, and, and we'll get to the book that uh, sort of I recommended to you. And I read it years and years ago and, and it resonated with me, but I was like, that can't work. You know, it's impossible. You know, I, the, the, there were so many reasons mm. why I can't work. And yeah. it is fear-based. It's 100%, you know, I'm going to give up control. I'm going to lose Absolutely. control. Absolutely, fear-based. You know, all of those kind of things. But I think one of the things that helped me realize is that um, I'm not running a kindergarten. You know, this is not school, okay? Um, I don't need to treat my staff like they're children because they're not, you know, I'm not their dad. Um, and they're here to do a job, okay? And if they're not doing their job, then they're not the right person. So I think, you know, again, very fortunate starting from scratch like this versus taking an organization that's been running for 10, 20, 30, 50 years or whatever the case and saying, okay, how do we change that now? That's that's a bigger challenge. Um, but I think, you know, we, um, in terms of the people that we've got on board, you know, I've, I've, I've let people go, not because they weren't good at their job, but because they didn't fit in the organization. So the first thing is, you know, um, somebody mentioned to me a little while ago, and I know I'm talking a little bit around you, but they said, you know, Dean, I've noticed every single company meeting that I've been on with you, every single one of your employees is always on camera. And I'm like, okay, and? And so, you know, so we treat our people like people, you know, and if they're not doing their job, we don't come and we sort of like, you know, crap all over them. We say, okay, well, why, why is that not happening? What do they need from us? What can we do for them? You know, yeah. and taking that approach, it's either you're either going to be able to assist and help an employee or they're right. not going to fit. You know, that's right. that's the bottom line. Right. So I think we have to, you know, we've got to give before we get. And the mm. more you give, the more you get. You know, one of the things we've had to do, for example, with this unlimited leave thing is we now have set a parameter, for example, between Christmas and New Year's, we're, we're doing a forced shutdown. And we're doing that because we're finding that people who were going on leave were still working. They were answering emails, they were sitting on the beach, you know, dialing into phone calls and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we said, okay, we've done other things. Like from day one, there's no meetings on a Friday, no internal meetings. If you want to have a meeting externally, that. that's your choice. But there are no internal meetings allowed on a Friday, bottom line. You know, so so it's about providing a platform, an atmosphere, an environment that feels safe for, for yeah. you know, employees to, to blossom, to come in mm -hmm. and come up with, oh, what if we did it this way? What if we did that way? You know, I made a decision a little while ago um, and my CEO who phoned me, and, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about his journey, which will help that, uh, how does yeah. the CEO who, it's eight o'clock we start in that, because David comes from that very, very rigid uh, uh, sort of mindset. But um, he phoned me and he said, listen, I, you know, one of the staff members has just phoned and they're concerned about this, you know, and it was a decision I made. And, and my initial takeaway is that reaction is like, how dare they question me? That's the initial internal, you know, monster mm, that you've got in there. I said ego, yeah. Us, yeah, you know, and then you take a step back and you're like, you know what, let me have a look at this. A, my, my employee cares about the company, otherwise they wouldn't ask that question. B, they feel safe enough to ask that question. That's true. All right. So, so what an awesome environment to create. How much more am I going to get out of that person than somebody that's going to continuously be shut down or mm. smacked into, you know, uh, you know, parameters and that? And I'm not saying it works for everyone. You know, uh, you know, everybody's got to, everyone's different, and everybody wants something different. You know, yeah. um, you know, rewards mm -hmm. are, are done differently. So the mindset. Okay, so my CEO who came from that environment and that was was hesitant in the beginning to make this change and that he now says there's no way he could ever go, you know, back to wow. it. it's just like. It's like, I, I can't even imagine working like that. And he'll use that as an example, which I love. But it's 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 letting go of the ego, letting go of the control, believing in your people, giving them the opportunity to prove themselves either way. You know, they're either going to make it work or they're not. And if they're not going to make the work, they're not the right people. They're not the right know? people for you. Yeah. So, Man, that, that is fantastic. Um, yeah, thank, thanks for kind of digging in on that. So, so the culture, you know, culture is number one to you what what kind of things I, I imagine this 
this approach that you have itself, right? It, it, it help lends to that culture and build the culture itself. What other kind of things are you doing to, to build that culture? And, and the reason I ask that, right, is because once you have this company as a CEO, right, we're coming from this place of this traditional management. And, and so many times, we as the CEO, when we're, we're when we're used to that, we we as a CEO have to step in for our leadership team when they're not, you know, carrying their weight or CEOs all the time have to step in for a COO or CFO or do this, whatever CMO to, to push things and drive things, right? So how are you able to really create that culture? What other things are you doing to have that culture in there so you don't have to continually hound your people? Uh, good question. You know, I, I think uh, the start for me has always been that vivid vision. It's always been set in who we want to be. Mm. You know, if, if you, for example, you know, let, let's say um, you've got a company and uh, you're a big snowboarder, all right, which I'm not, but you like, it's all about snowboarding. That's, uh -huh. that's your life, that's what you want, yeah, yeah. and all of that right, kind right. Of stuff. And you're going to push that down everybody's throat. It's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to snowboard, we're going to snowboard, and that. And you get a guy that joins and it's like, you know, I don't even like outdoors and that, okay? How much commitment are you going to get from him? You know, he's not a snowboarder. He's not even an outdoor yeah. person. In that. Yeah. So what the Vivid Vision does, it basically, it describes who we are as a company. And it's like, mm. this is who we are. This is how we do things. This is what we do. There's no there's no numbers in there. There's no revenue. There's no targets. And it's just, this is who we are. This is mm. what we've achieved. This is the market we're playing in. This is what, so by setting that, okay, like I said, it's going to resonate with somebody and say, yeah, man, I want to be part of that. Or it's like, I want to help build that thing. Or they're going to be like, these guys are a bunch of idiots, you know, they're not going to come and join us. So from the very onset, you know, you bring in the right people around the table. Um, you know, you can have somebody who is the best at what they do in the industry, but it's not a team player or doesn't see your, your, your vision. Right, right. It's useless. I can have somebody who's 30th, uh, you know, in the industry, but he's a team player, works together, believes in it, drives it, all of that. I'm going to get more out of that person. So it's about setting those parameters initially about who you are. What is your why? You know, why are you doing this? I mean, for me, simply, um, you know, making money out of this thing, you know, because I mean, we, nobody goes into business to make a loss, you know, so that's, that, that's ideally not, not. <laughs> <laughs> not for ideally profit. Not. You know, that's just, I mean, I know I'm a sucker for punishment, but that's, you know, so, so, <laughs> so for me, I'm not, I'm not in this thing to make money. That's yeah. the result, you know, and the better we do it, you know, the better the result will be. So I'm not saying, yes, we've got to we've got to manage this thing and we've, we've got, got to look at our KPIs and we've got to take care of all of that. You've got to look after that, you know, but the happier my people are, right, the more they're going to make that mm. result a better result, you know. Yeah. So for me, that's number one, you know, the yeah. results will come. And why am I doing this? I'm, I'm doing this and not from an egotistical view, uh, you know, point of view. I'm building something here that I and my team can be proud of. You know, yeah. um, one of my SVPs said to me the other day, he said, you know, Dean, I hope you don't mind me saying this. He said, but this is no longer your baby. You know, this is our baby. And, you know, for me, I was like, whoa, that's a big moment, you know, because it's that's not awesome. my baby. Yeah. It is our baby. And that's the way I see it, you know. So it's, it's like, how, how do you build something that everybody builds? So I don't have to drive my CMO or my, you know, CSO or, or the CO. I don't have to drive them. Yes, I've got to keep everybody going in the same direction. But that's the that's very different from standing behind there with a whip or, or, or you know, in the front there, yeah. like dragging them along. And yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we all know that's the mountain we're climbing. Okay, how we get there. Some people might want to climb up some rocks. Some people might want to take a path. Someone, you know, might want to fly up there. Everyone's taking it, but we're all going in the same direction. Love it.
I love it. Um, so you called it, you, you said a word before vision, your, your vervent vision. Is that what you called it? Or vivid, the, uh, vivid the, vision. Uh, vivid. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard that it, before. So if you Google it, there's actually a couple of books about it. Uh, Cameron, Cameron, I uh, forget his surname. I stand to be corrected there. He, it's, it's from him. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. It's, there, there's a whole thing about it. Um, I'd always done that previously, not realizing the structure that he uses and that, and mine's like, like literally, you know, it's, it's right here. Mine's, it's right here. So we printed this whole thing, you know, I get a chance to look at it all the time and it's, it just hangs on my board in that. And this, this is the direction that we take and mine stays here. We've also got our, our, our post of our core values, our values, our, our targets, you know, all of that stuff there as well. You know, it's it's clarity. It's it, it, what's the old saying? Uh, you know, a, a, a ship with no um, a destination. Rudder? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's just it's, it's going to favor the winds because it's going wherever the winds take them. You know, we know where we're going. Yeah, I, I love it, man. Uh, so so uh, vivid vision. What is your? Do you have a, your vivid vision boiled down to one or two sentences, or I mean, is it? Yeah. So, so slightly different, but basically on our core focus, and that is become a leader in the adhesive corks takes uh, industry in North America. Mm -hmm. Our niche is disrupting the industry through innovation, marketing, and education. So, right. you know, that's just bottom line than that. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, the way we look at, we are an adhesive and sealant marketing company making it easier through technology. So yeah, yeah. again, yeah. very cl clarity. That's the word. Clarity. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, and, and you see so many businesses stalled out when they don't have that clarity and, and you're really bringing people together under a unified vision and then getting out of their way. And, and, and it sounds like they're, they've really come to owning it, owning that vision with you. This is my baby. Now this is not just yours. <laughs> it, it, it's awesome. I love it. I love it. It gives me an opportunity to focus <clears throat> on the areas that I should be focusing and working on the yeah. business instead totally. of putting out fires and working in the business. Yeah. You're working on high level things, strategic pushes, What's next? You're you're up top, seeing ten miles down. You're looking at That's the horizon it. where everybody else is kind of. Uh, yeah. my, David, David and I are, are, are an awesome sort of VI, you know, the vision integrator. Mm -hmm. um, and if you read the book Traction and those kind of things, you know, we, oh, yeah. we really we we we've just hit that one. You know, we work very well together. We meet every Friday morning um, offsite, so we we about forty five minutes from each other. So we actually meet for breakfast every Friday morning, sit down, have a chat. Okay, what's going on in your world? What's going on in my world? Um, you know, so so you know, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not running the business. He's running the business. You know, I'm making sure that the business is going in the right direction. What are the opportunities? Are we going to start looking at M and A stuff? You know, my job is not today. My job is six months to two, three years from now. That's that's where I need to focus. And I can't focus on that if I don't have the right team. Just like they can't focus on what they should be doing if I'm interfering. You know, Dean, you brought something up there, which I think is critical for visionaries is, is that two things I want to pull out of that is, is you made the statement, I'm focusing on six months to three years from now. And that I, I know for CEOs and upcoming leaders listening to this, that is very different than how most CEOs view their company and their role. And the other thing I want to dig into is, is you mentioned, you know, Traction and Gina Wickman and all that. And I'm assuming you pulled the integrator. For, have you read Rocket Fuel? I'm assuming yeah, you've read brilliant. that. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. brilliant, right? And and so I'd love to just dive into that. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but most CEOs out there, they've never heard this concept. Could you could you share with the with the audience a little bit about this this concept of the CEO and having an integrator. What what is the difference between the two in your eyes? 
hundred percent. You know, the, the way that I look at it, and it, you know, obviously in terms of what Gino says and how he puts it together, you know, and your takeaway from it, and it was actually, uh, you know, David, who's my CEO, who read, uh, he, he read that book first. And then he said, Dean, you've got to read this. And, and I read it and it was like, man, this is us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but the way it, it's very simple, you know, um, a visionary and an integrator have two very, very different roles. You know, the visionary is basically, I know what it is that we need to achieve in order for us to be successful. I know the direction we need to take. I can see it. You know, I, I have the vision. I need yeah. to be able to take that vision and I need to be able to mm. communicate it to, first of all, my integrator and then second of all to the team. Yeah. Um, my integrator then, he's the one that takes it and he hears me and he says, Yep, I agree with that. That makes sense. I know how to do this. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. Let me take this and let me go and literally integrate it. Let me go and make yeah. sure that the team's going in the right direction. Yep. I will get this done on a day-to-day -day basis. I'll take care of, of, I'll make sure that, you know, the sales come in, the stock goes yeah. out, yeah. the systems are running, the people are happy and all of that kind of stuff. Because, um, you know, he's very uh, detail-orientated, very focused mm. on, on- That's what he uh, loves. Yeah, that's what he's good at and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And for me, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm all, you know, right, pirates right, are kind of stuff. Right. It's like, you know, I, I know what we can achieve. And once we get going, I don't want to know how to do it. I mean, I know how to do it, but I don't yeah. want to do it. Yeah. So, so I'm going to make a mess of it, you know. You don't enjoy um, so doing I, that part. And he does. I don't. I don't. So I'm going to let the control go. This goes back to the control thing and yeah. just say, you know, years and years ago, um, and, and this was a really good lesson that I learned. So in in, a, in Swaziland, we had a production company and there's literally like no middle management. So, you know, I, I, I was a partner in the business for 15 years. It's, the business is now 25 years old. My, and I was a partner for 15 years with my mother, uh, which is awesome. But um, so I ran this company and then I had to literally run the company as well because I, I only had like supervisors. So you still very hands-on. And it was, I mean, we had 105 employees and I basically, I, I almost had a touch on every single one of them. So it was difficult and, and I was exhausted. I was burnt out. It was just too much. Um, and eventually we brought somebody else in to come and help us and that, and I was still interfering and everything. And, um, and I think it was my dad that said this to me. And uh, he basically said, uh, just because somebody does something different, but gets to uh -huh. the same result at the end, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Right. And that was a hard thing to think. And just because they don't do it the same way I do, it doesn't mean that it's incorrect, you know, and sometimes it's actually better. So yeah. that delegating is, is something you've got to learn. And yeah. the more you learn, the better you are at it, the more you can achieve. And, and that's kind of that whole thing with the vision integrator, you know, is that's where we go. This is how we're going to get there. Believe and trust this person. Trust is a yeah. huge thing that huge. this person it's gotta is be. going to make it happen. Yeah. How did you find David? <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. David what, was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it, listen, it was 100% uh, coincidence, chance, whatever you want to call it. Um, David was, uh, he had worked for a company that was bought out by Lowe's. Um, you know, so yeah. also sort of, I, I can't even remember, five, seven hundred million dollar company. Um, I had gone through two or three acquisitions and that. Uh, Lowe's came in and that was at the time where uh, basically the old Home Depot management moved over to Lowe's yeah. and you know the restructure happened and um, they just got rid of the whole executive team um, wow. and at that stage he David's from this area from Yan, Virginia and um, they had moved him down to Houston he had been there for a couple of years 
and he was looking at coming back at this area. At that stage, I was looking for, a, you know, a COO for the business and that. And, you know, it, it was there on LinkedIn. And we kind of just connected, uh, had yeah, a couple awesome. of meetings. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just, you know, and it was difficult in the beginning for both of us. Uh, you know, for him, it was a huge thing coming from a company that a huge company with all of the structure in place, all of these support structures right. coming in rolling up his sleeves and like, okay, yeah. I'm going to enter a purchase order. The yeah. last time I entered a purchase, I had like a phone call. Give me six containers. <laughs> of Very so, different you know, mindset there. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a ton of respect for him, you know, just in terms of having to go through that. And then from there, it was just building the network. And I've got some other amazing people. I mean, you know, just within the organization and everything's been word of mouth and from, from that. And as we've grown in the industry and that we now have people coming to us and saying, listen, you know, do you have a position for me or can we come and join us or I want to be part of this or, you know, so, so we've never really had to go out and look out for people. People are coming to us. Which is a sign of culture, right? I mean, the, the, the people that have throughout, throughout the pandemic, the, the companies that had the, the, the inability to, you know, high turnover rate and all that kind of stuff couldn't find people were people that didn't have the culture. And so total yeah. testament to you. And, and, and the reason I ask is because a really good integrator it's almost it's, it's kind of a unicorn you know someone it, that's very exactly, much a unicorn yeah no listen that's 100 percent. it's yeah I, I am under no illusion how lucky i am um yeah, yeah. you know we're just fortunate and i think the other nice thing is um the right integrator you can learn to argue with um, absolutely and, and yeah. that's their job their job is you know you're you're up in the clouds you, you bring 10 ideas to the table and their job is to be a realist right and and, yeah. and put dean back at dean listen okay let's let's throttle this in a little bit <laughs> exactly and i'll argue it um, yeah, that's right that's right we, we have this thing called candy cotton um so basically uh you know it's like oh, I, this is a great idea i think we can do this and all of this kind of stuff and it's yeah. basically we don't sell candy cotton that's not what we do we sell adhesives and glue so if i bring a concept and i think we can do this and it's like man that's candy cotton we don't we, we don't sell that you know yeah. so i've had to learn to listen as well so so dean i know you alluded to the book a little bit before and i asked this question but i always like to phrase it this way if you were going to hire a ceo to take the reins for your company what is the one book that you would require he or she read before taking over for you so i i mean the seven day weekend yeah you know for, for me it's uh, uh it it really was a profound book it's it's pretty old now if i had to hazard a guess it's probably 20 to 30 years old when it was written yeah. Um, it was written, um, you know, based in a company in South America. It was, um, you know, the gentleman that took over the business from his father. Uh, they used to make, I think, water pumps, um, you know, so production facility. And, you know, they, they became a massive, massive corporation. I mean, unbelievably huge. And, you know, I, I read the book and um, the, the, the thing that really just resonated with me is the way they started is, again, it's all about the people um, their board seat, for example, um, and I'll just give you a couple of little yeah. like, sort of tidbits on there. Um, there's always one chair open for anybody, anybody, even the janitor, to come and sit in on a board meeting. Anyone can come in. Mm. So, you know, there's full, you know, sort of uh, this is who we are. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they do is they, they, they were back in the day, they were the first people that sit in up remote offices. 
So, you know, the way he said it, you know, you, you, and I think they were based in uh, Sao Paulo or somewhere like that. And yeah. uh, he said, you know, you're going to spend two hours in traffic driving to work, two hours traffic driving back, it's four hours of your day. If we put a remote office somewhere, you can go mm. and sit there, you can save yourself four hours and, you know, you, you can work from there. And I was like, man, that's interesting. And then from there, there was, you know, on the production line and that, and, and this is something I had learned through my own company yeah. was, um, you know, one of we, we used to produce uh, like uh, CMT, like clothing, manufactured clothing, branding, uh, you know, mm -hmm. billboards, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, a ton of things like in the marketing industry. And um, I knew what we were doing, but I didn't know yeah. how to run a machine, you know. So right. when I went in and I said, let's move this machine to here, and the guys were like, whoa, 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 that's not a good idea. Well, why? And then the expansion, I'm like, man, I never thought about that. Right. So right. one of the things that he says, and then he explains it in detail, is basically the people working on, you know, the, the, the production line and that know way more than you do. So when you come in and you're going to mm. create a new production line or you can do something like that, bring them into the fold because you're going to get valuable information on that. You know, um, treat your people like treats or give them the flexibility to make these decisions. You know, let them work when they want to work. And this was written yeah. like 20, 30 years ago. Wow. And I was like, man, that doesn't make any sense. That won't work in that. But, you know, over the years, you know, eventually it sunk in and that. And man, I regret not doing it earlier in my career. Gotcha. So this really reflects back to the unlimited leave and and, and all of that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, very cool. So so there you go. Seven day weekend. And it was by Ricardo Sellers. Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, Dean, awesome having you on the show. Um, I, I always like to summarize a few things that I took down for notes uh, for my big takeaways. One is the role of the CEO is, is to paint that vivid vision, hire the absolute best people, the best leadership team, and then get out of their way. And, and of course that takes, you know, maybe you, probably you had investors, you know, it takes some money to do that maybe in the beginning, but, but that's really the role of the CEO and, um, the seven day work week from that you, you, you have been able to implement this culture in this concept of limited leave, no working hours, results driven, and it's really created an ownership culture for you. And at the same time, you very smartly um, in, hired, found an integrator in David, and he is running the day-to-day -day of the business. And you have your site set three months, or excuse me, six months to three years out um, um, on the business. Um, Dean, again, awesome stuff there. If there was one takeaway that you would really want the audience to absorb, up-and-coming CEOs or leaders, what would that be? You know, I, I think two things. If you look at the news at the moment with all these tech layoffs and that, you know, how would you feel if you received an email to say you no longer have a job? I mean, you can just feel like a number. You're going to not feel like anything. People Absolutely. are people, you know. So for me, it's, you know, I would, and I'm going to use a word that David hates, I would cascade the information down through people. I would have my person talk to the next person to the next point, not on an email and that. I know it costs more, it takes more time, and I know the efficiency on that. But the bottom line is, you know, if you treat your people like people, okay, and you're going to make mistakes, we're all human, you know, yeah. but so are they, yeah. uh, you're going to just, you're going to get so much more out, you know, mm. fr from them. So I think that's, that's one of the big things. The second thing is, you know, from a productivity point of view, um, allowing the flexibility and every business is different, um, but allowing the flexibility of people to work when they can work. You know, it, you get so much more. So, you know, whether you've got to take your kid to daycare or whether you've got to quickly shoot it to a doctor's appointment or whether you want to go sit on the beach or whatever the case is, 
you know, I'll see emails coming through on a Sunday or, you know, on a Friday night at uh, like 10 o'clock at night and all that kind of stuff. But then when I phone somebody, you know, Tuesday morning at, uh, you know, 2.30 in the east, hey, yeah, can I phone you back? I'm at my kid's baseball game. I'm like, oh, no, no problem. You know, so given that flexibility, you know, again, give to get, yeah. you know. Man, dude. I, I, yeah, I love that. Awesome. <laughs> The whole give to get uh, uh, mentality uh, plays out so much. And I, yeah, so very cool, man. So, so Dean, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out and get a hold of you for any follow-up questions, which if I, 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 if I was an upcoming CEO, I probably would. Um, or if they, if there was a company that wanted to do uh, utilize your services, utilize any of your adhesives, how could they do that? Uh, you know, LinkedIn's the best place for, uh, for me. It's like very active on it. Um, you know, you'll see yeah. quite a bit of movement on there, but, you know, just look for Dean Fonsell from, uh, you know, National Adhesives on LinkedIn and, uh, yeah, happy to help. Uh, you know, a, a very cheap plug at the moment. Um, you know, in six months' time, I'm releasing a book and it's all about the pitfalls of entrepreneurship. Wow. Um, very cool. Yeah, so all the mistakes that I've made and, you know, everything, you know, the sacrifices that are required and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I just, I, I love watching people develop and grow and, and, uh, you know, I, th I think kudos to anybody. I mean, I came over to the U S and then a little bit of, uh, arrogance, a little bit of naivety and that, you know, made a decision yeah. that I can take yeah. on people like gorilla and G and Loctite and that, ah, I can do this. No problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so all of those little lessons that are in there. Very cool. What, uh, do you have a name for the book yet? Um, yeah, I'm tossing up a few, you know, one of them okay. that I like, probably not going to use is, you know, learn how to eat your shit. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be an interesting book title, man. That'd be awesome. I yeah. would read that <laughs> a business book about learning how not to eat your shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's more going to be, you know, the, it's more going to be something along the lines of, you know, the toolbox, you know, for the, the, yeah. the, the up and coming entrepreneur. So yeah. we'll see. I don't know, you know, those cutting edge titles, man, they, they can grab some attention. Um, and just for the, the uh, listeners, it's Dean Finsale, but it's spelled uh, V-A-N space Z-Y-L. So Dean Finsale. Um, great, Dean. Thanks again for being on the show. Uh, for the listeners out there, please hit like and subscribe and help us spread the word about what we're doing for the business community and the leaders. Um, with that, this is Patrick Rogers, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance CEO Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at patrickvrogers.com for much more valuable information and free resources.